Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Let's look at the latest figures published by the Office for National Statistics. I mean, every time we talk about lockdowns, London going into lockdown and other parts of the country, who knows? Uh, We may find out later this week that uh, some other parts of the country, Manchester, Birmingham, may even be coming out of Tier 3 lockdowns. Uh, Again, Tier 3 is, to all intents and purposes, a lockdown if you've got uh, no hospitality uh, open. But the latest figures from the Office for National Statistics on unemployment have just been published in the last 20 minutes or so. So for the three months to October, and it's not happy reading, uh, they have uh, shown uh, quite clearly that we've seen a payrolls drop. We've fallen by 819,000 between February and November. And certainly uh, we are seeing uh, job vacancies have gone up in the three months to October. Of course, that crucially before the second lockdown in November. So uh, let's uh, talk about this with Greg Thwaites. He's research director at the Resolution Foundation Think Tank. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, whenever we get these figures, they're either sort of monthly figures, they're quarterly figures. Everything, of course, depends on how they are in relation to not just the previous months, but also previous years. Because even when we get some good news saying, oh, job vacancies are up, you think, yeah, but your thing is you're comparing you're comparing that to uh, the year before where in in which case they look absolutely dire. That's right. So vacancies, uh, there's a few a third fewer vacancies than there were last year. There's about 800,000 fewer jobs than there were before the crisis started, and unemployment's continuing to rise. And we think these figures are are very worrying and very sad for families in the UK. Absolutely, indeed. Now, of course, a lot of people were saying, hold on a minute, weren't we going to be losing millions of jobs? I mean, it's very, very sad for those 800,000 people. But wow, we we were supposed to be in the millions that we were going to lose. Um, A lot of those job losses are still disguised by furlough, aren't they? How How many people are still on those various furlough schemes? We don't have uh, super up-to-date figures on the furlough, I'm afraid. But what we do know is that the number of people on the furlough seemed to increase in November um, as the furlough was restarted. The furlough has been a a lifeline for families and firms in the UK. And you're absolutely right, Julia, that the rise in unemployment would have been much worse if it hadn't been for the furlough. Although there are, of course, gaps. I mean, the people who are self-employed weren't covered by the furlough and a lot of those got left out. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I mean that—that's the thing, isn't it? There are still, you know, still got the three million who are excluded, who are self-employed, but uh, didn't have, you know, either, uh, uh, fi- you know, any tax returns already filed, or they're okay. earning earning too much. If you could be one, you know, one pence over that fifty thousand limit, and then that's it. But you may not have any savings, may not be able to survive. Um, and of course, we know with a lot of people who they may have been able to survive on furlough on eighty percent of pay. And of course, for large parts of the year, uh, lots of cities in the northwest and northeast of the country not actually entitled to the full eighty percent. 
percent either. But with firms basically saying, look, we survived one lockdown. We thought we'd be up and running. Certainly we thought we'd be up and running for the autumn. Big for hospitality, big for uh, 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 shops. Um, we've With the lockdown in November and now tier three, particularly in London and still for the last few months across uh, effectively across large spaces of the country, we, we are looking at firms that are just saying, look, we've, we've just about managed to stay afloat, but we're basically we're going under now. There's a real concern that these latest restrictions are going to be what tips a lot of businesses uh, into bankruptcy. I mean, ultimately, in order to improve the economy, we're going to have to control the virus. And you can see around the world countries that have controlled the virus better than we have, have had better outcomes than we have. So the, the, the Chancellor is absolutely right to continue to support people's incomes and yeah. support jobs and workers uh, until we improve the virus. But it's the virus, ultimately, that's the key to recovery. We're, yeah, well, indeed, except, of course, I mean, it is possible, as we know, with uh, places like Sweden, you can have, yes, still have people die. Of course you can. It's very, very sad and awful. But you don't necessarily have to kill off every single job and industry at the same time. Uh, thank you very much, Greg Thwaites uh, from the Resolution Foundation. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right, well, let's uh, talk more about London. I know a lot of this is, is very London-obsessed, but and I'm completely aware that, that millions of people have been forced to live under Tier 3 for a very long time now. Manchester, Bristol, Birmingham, um, for a long stage, of course, Liverpool as well. Listen, I've been fighting for you guys as well. Uh, this is not just because it's happening in my home city. It's not that. I have been arguing against the Tier 3 restrictions all the way along. But let's uh, talk about what is happening now. As of midnight tonight, one minute past midnight, London will be in Tier 3. In total, it's 11 million more people uh, now affected by those restrictions. Sean Bailey is the Conservative candidate for Mayor of London. He joins us now. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Julia. Um, morning. morning. Um, do you support this move into Tier 3? Look, I've been quite clear. I'm not a fan of Tier 3. When it was proposed last time, I fought two for nil publicly and in the background to get it closed down. So it's Tier 2. I've always said Tier 3 will be a bitter blow to the businesses in London. And when I say that, I really mean employment. I always, I've always said we should be taking a much more area-based approach so that we can keep livelihoods and lives going. And I really wish that had been followed through. Um, I mean, this is the thing. Um, this is a government. You, you're a Tory candidate. You're chosen by the Conservative Party. This is a Conservative government that is forcing through measures with no real evidence behind it. Nothing that we've seen, unless they've got some amazing secret data they're choosing not to share with us. No evidence that actually suggests from all the publicly available data that, that these tier three measures will have any effect on saving any more lives. And yet constantly we go back into more and more of these measures. Why do you think the government is doing that? I think what I'd say, Judy, there is some evidence here that really does work. We know, for instance, that it is teenagers, you know, school aged children, secondary school aged children that are leading to the spike in numbers, not just in London, but across the country. So we do have to respond to that. What I'm saying is I think there's a, a more targeted way to respond, a way that has less of effect on employment. I know your national programme and some of your listeners are, are exasperated listening about London, but 550,000 jobs lost in London will have a ripple effect across the entire country country and I for one want to get London up and going so that we can you know do our part in rebuilding the economy 
That's why I've constantly challenged the mayor. Where is your plan to bring us into tier one? Radio silence from the mayor. Now we've ended up in tier three. We've got to get this together because these lockdowns are, are crippling the economy, which for me is affecting employment, which is unacceptable. But, but this is the thing, isn't it? Is, is we know that the number of infections uh, in cases has gone up in, in London, but only in certain parts of London. Um, we, we basically had a massive increase in testing capacity in London. It went up 30% before the November lockdown, and it, it's gone up again. The number of positive tests has gone up. It's gone up per 100,000. That's how it's rated. The case is per 100,000. What we don't know, and I'm wondering if you've been privy to this, because I've only got data up to the 2nd of December. Um, so I know, we know that there was a 30% increase in testing up to that point. There is no data publicly available that I've been able to find or any of my uh, expert scientists have been able to find uh, up to this point, to, uh, to the point where the government is, I mean, presumably the government has this data, they're just not sharing it with us. In terms of the number of, uh, of cases, of number of tests that are carried out and the percentage of those tests that are carried out that do actually see positives because if you test if you test 10 people and if you test 100 people you are more likely to get more positive tests when you test 100 people the question is what is the percentage of positive tests this is information that is not freely available there is huge evidence for a whole variety of different surveys and data that the prevalence of the virus is falling in most places across England, it is it is uh, it is plateauing in London. There are a few areas that are that are worrying, but we don't know how many tests has been carried out in those areas, so we have no way of knowing how much worse it is. Julia, what do you, but what do you make of policy being made on the basis of incomplete data? Julia, here's the point I would make. We needed a plan in London so we didn't end up end up in tier three. We're in tier three because the mayor has failed us. That's a fact. Whatever the data is, we do need to respond to the spread of the virus. If we had taken an area-based approach, if the mayor of London had made that case to the government and had prepared it, we taken an area-based approach, we would not be closing down the economy. We can argue and argue and argue about facts and statistics. The bottom line is I'm in focused on jobs. Where are we all going to be working? I'm working to a six-month timeline here. In six months' time, I hope the mayor of London is prepared to... Um, to apologise to everybody's job that he's thrown in the bin. He's effectively handed out 500,000 um, P45s. That's what we should be concentrating on. That's what we should be getting getting rid of. If you look now, how many of your listeners are worried that their job is going to go? And I know you may be sat in Sheffield, you may be sat in Leeds, you may be sat in Solihull. The point is what happens here in London does have an effect on you. He's run TFL's finances into the floor, which is important because we build trains and buses elsewhere in the country. We need a plan to get us out of these lockdowns as quickly as possible. We need to acknowledge this is about lives and livelihoods, not just about facts and statistics. We need to get people back to work. And that's my focus here. Where are we all going to be working come January, February and March? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the real focus, isn't it? And again, I, I completely understand the lockdown if it actually saves lives. We, we, we've seen that it hasn't. We've seen the shutting down of hospitality across many, many countries in Europe and not seen their infection rates drop. There's just simply no evidence uh, that all this does is any all this does is is shut down businesses, uh, affect people's lives, increase unemployment. It doesn't actually save any. The big worry, of course, this weekend, Sean, is going to be and, and as we go through Christmas is actually more and more people, especially those young people who face they can't go out to any hospitality venues at all. Basically, we're going to see parties at home. We're going to see illegal raves we just get in dangerous venues where there isn't any uh, social distancing or any sanitizer or any ventilation or anything we're probably going to see a greater spread because of these rules 
let's talk about what we can do. Let's separate that. For school children, we need to extend the Christmas holiday by a week. Why? Why? So, so because that, that's where that's where that's the one bit of stats we do have, Julia. That is where the infections are growing. If we extend by a week, it means that schools no. can. Go away. No, you've got your confusing correlation and causation. There's no evidence that it's being spread in schools. Children are catching it at home and bringing it into school. Julia, we can argue all day about the stats. The fact is that more young people are getting it, and then we just need to break that flow there. The second piece we need to do is ask the Mayor of London, be you a Labour voter or a Tory voter or anywhere in between, why isn't this man giving us a plan to get London out of lockdown? That's very, very, very important. And thirdly, you need to um, look at your own personal risk. My mum has asthma, very serious asthma. I will not be putting her at risk, but I will see other members of my family who are young enough, who are healthy enough to, to, to deal with this. Because I go to your point, Julia, at the beginning of the show, what, uh, what's life for? Life's about family, life's about friends. We do need to have contact with people because other things are being lost. Not only are we losing employment, we're losing friendships. Our mental health is at, at risk as well. So we do need to mitigate that. But ultimately, it is up to the individual. If you're a grown-up adult listening to this show, you need to make a decision about what you do with your family and your friends. You, you can rely on the government, and that's yeah. fine, and they, give, and they give us rules. But ultimately, what yeah. do you want to do? If you're nervous, keep your family safe, and everybody should stick to the rules so we can get beyond this so that in the middle of next year we're not all, all looking for jobs we already have jobs except even when everyone is sticking to the rules these effects these things don't seem to have any proper effect and then we're just given more rules sean bailey i think a lot of people agree with a lot of what you said there conservative candidate for the mayor of london i do disagree on the uh, the closing of schools for that extra week there talk radio breakfast with julia hartley brewer and the times know your times Let's talk to Robert Halfen. He's chair of the Education Select Committee and he's also Conservative MP for Harlow, which is among those areas going into Tier 3 at midnight tonight. Good morning to you, Robert. Uh, good morning. Good Hello. morning. Hello. Um, first of all, I'm going to get your thoughts on, on the, the Tier 3 move. Do you think that's uh, the right thing for the government to do? Well, I've been supportive of the government up until now because I took the decision to trust the government medical officers and scientists. But I expressed big reservations in the House of Commons yesterday in uh, about Harlow going into tier uh, three. I think it's overkill. Our rates were stabilising, uh, particularly in terms of the over 60s. And uh, I really worry that um, small businesses are struggling and hospitality sector particularly are on their knees and uh, I'm lobbying hard to get us back into tier two I thought that was a good compromise yeah um, I, I think a lot of people feel that way and an awful lot of the areas that have been in tier three including some of our, our greatest sisters Manchester Birmingham and Bristol desperate to get back in, into tier two and hopefully will uh, this week um, in terms of the schools being closed there's this big concern about infection rates going up it, and again let's be honest it's not the whole of London it's in particular areas particularly interestingly the areas that were not hardest hit back in the spring suggesting you know there may possibly be some herd immunity in other parts of the city which were much harder hit earlier in the year um, but in Infection rates going up there, and the suggestion being, therefore, we need to close schools ahead of uh, Christmas, but that people are going, pupils are going to get online learning, not a problem. We know that online learning doesn't happen properly in all schools, and we know that not all pupils take part. Are you on the side of the councils and the schools that want to close early and go to online learning, or on the side of Gavin Williams and the Education Secretary, who threaten them with legal action if they do that? Well, I think uh, we've, we face a, uh, people talk about coronavirus, but we face an epidemic of educational poverty. So I want schools to be open. I think schools should be open as much as possible. The good schools have had extended hours and have operated on Saturdays to try and help kids catch up. I think every day 
that a child loses school, given that they've lost six to seven months of learning already over the past year, is a disaster. And all you're doing is preventing these children from climbing the education ladder of opportunity. So these schools must remain open as much as possible. Of course, there's extenuating circumstances, but there is absolutely no reason for blanket closures in certain boroughs or parts of the country. Um, if realistically, who is going to win on this? If there's a legal challenge, I mean, you know, the schools, if the schools have already gone online, the kids aren't going to be coming back, are they? Well, by the time all this has happened, it will probably be the Christmas holidays anyway, because schools mostly break up by the end of the week. But the principle is right. We have to make sure that our schools are open. There is nothing more important than keeping our children educated. The schools were open even during the second lockdown, which we've just uh, semi come out of. And so there is no reason to, to close schools now. We have to make a decision as a country. Do we want to keep our children educated or do we want to damage their life chances and, as I say, have an epidemic of educational poverty, uh, possibly risking a generation of of kids uh, for their futures. Okay, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Appreciate that. Robert Halfen, Chair of the Education Select Committee. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.